Welcome to this podcast from Penrith Church of Christ. If there is anything in this message that you would like to talk about further, please go to our website, www.cofcpenrith.org. That's www.cofcpenrith.org. Now let's listen to Pastor Dave Crocker. Hey, well, welcome. I'm so glad that you are here today. We, I, I have... Hopefully some uh, things to say this morning that you might enjoy. It's always good, isn't it? It'd be good for the preacher to say something that you get out of something this morning. I have had a, uh, some things kind of percolating in my world as I have been coming into this year. And that's, that's, again, that's a good thing for the pastor of the church to have some kind of stuff stirring in his spirit. And, and one of the things I realized is that over the, the last uh, five and a bit years that I've been here, there's, there's some things that I, I keep coming back to fairly regularly, some foundational pieces that really matter as far as my view of how we go about this Christian faith, about how we do church, about what that looks like. And I realized that Some of you haven't been here as long as others, and some of you may be feeling new, and you might not be up to speed with some of those things. Today, (laughs) I want to go back over uh, some of those things. And for some of you, it's revision. And I hope it's revision. I hope as I share these thoughts, it it brings it back to your mind and you remember this because these three things in particular are pretty much my default for how I go about doing what I do. They're my default for how I go about my Christian faith, how I go about leading this church. And so some of it will make sense because you've heard it a lot. Some of it might be new for some of you. But today I want to get on the same page as we kind of launch our vision for the year, as I begin to talk about kind of where we're going and set the framework for the coming months. The first thing that I'm going to want to talk to you about this morning is, our, is, is really about a worldview. And, and, and a worldview, so I get the language right, it's the particular way an individual group or society view the world. It's our, it's our values, it's our emotions, it's our ethics, it's our, our themes. In Australia, one of the worldviews we're built on is we're a capitalist society. There's other countries around the world that would be in a communist Framework or a socialist framework. The worldviews are the way that we view a particular way of doing things. In Australia, we've got so many different worldviews happening because as a nation, we're ethnically blended, and that is incredible. What, a, what an incredible blessing we have as a nation to have the richness of the world in our city. It's so good. I'm glad you agree with that, Sheep. <laughs> One of the issues for us, though, as believers is that the worldview we're most interested in talking about this morning is the Christian worldview, right? Let me sum up the Christian worldview in as as few words as I could possibly manage when I wrote this. I thought I'm going to, the entire thing in one sentence. God created the universe and all it contains. Man sinned. Jesus, God's son, was born of the Virgin Mary. Jesus lived and died without sin. He was crucified and took our punishment. The Spirit of God was sent as a helper. Okay, so it's not quite one sentence. There's a few sentences there. 
God created the universe and all it contains. Man sinned. Jesus, God's son, was born of the Virgin Mary. Jesus lived and died without sin. He was crucified. He took our punishment. The Spirit of God was sent as our helper. And I guess the bit that's missing there, and Jesus will come again. Probably should have included that. It's probably a pretty important part of our Christian worldview. So having said that, many of us in this room have by default a Christian worldview. It's one of the reasons you're in church this morning, that that you've chosen to do that. But the challenge for those of us who haven't grown up in church is that we often have competing worldviews. It's hard enough having grown up in church with the different worldviews. You see, our family have a particular set of values and ethics and ways of doing things, and our friends and where we've been educated and even where we live and the people we spend time with, let alone coming into this church thing with its own set of values and expectations and ways of doing things. Are you with me this morning? We've got these competing worldviews. And for some of you young guys that have grown up outside of the church and you come, this is weird. The way we go about doing things is different to the way that perhaps you used to do things. And trying to work out how do I manage in the midst of this? What is the right decision to make and what is the wrong decision to make? We're not usually consciously aware of our worldviews. It's not like I sit down and go, well, today I'm going to make that decision based on my family's worldview. We just get on with it. And we make the decisions and and part of, I guess, our journey as believers is aligning, us, aligning ourselves more and more with a Christ-centred worldview. And so one of the ways I use to explain how we go about this is we, we try to work out how to live our lives and and where does God fit in all of this? So, Keith, oh, you've already done it. So we, we try to work out how, how our God piece fits in the midst of our education or recreation, social life, work, family. Where does God fit in all of that? And, and, and we start feeling good if our God piece of the pie is growing. If we're doing more of the God stuff and it's got more of the piece of the pie, we feel good about things. We, we perhaps we're, we're coming to church more often or we're, we're giving and we're praying and, and, and I at least know where my Bible is. I might not have read it, but I know where it is, so that's a start. And, and we're feeling good about things, and, but then I, I've stuffed up a little bit during the week and I haven't done this and that and, and, and my God stuff, it's getting a bit smaller and, and, and I feel bad about that now and I feel guilty and I better go to church and get myself sorted out. You know what that's called? Earning our salvation. That's what it looks like when we're working towards making God feel happy with us. When we feel like responsibility for how he views us is on us. And when our pie, God peace is growing, we're great. When it's shrinking, we're not. That's it's a gospel of works. You've got to do this and you've got to do that. And if you just come here and do this, and if you just give a little bit more, if you just pray a little bit harder, you'll, you're, you're better with God. Well, that, that's rubbish. God is not a piece of the pie. Keith, hit me with it. There's this incredible verse in Acts chapter 17. I'm going to read the whole extended bit. It says, the true God is the creator of all things. He is the owner 
and Lord of the heavenly realms and the earthly realms. And he doesn't live in man-made temples. He supplies life and breath and all things to every living being. He doesn't lack a thing that we mortals could supply for him. For he has all things and everything he needs. From one man, Adam, he made every man and woman and every race of humanity and he spread us all over the earth. He sets the boundaries of people and nations, determining their appointed times in history. He has done this so that every person would long for God, feel their way to him and find him. For he is the God who is easy to discover. It is through him that we live and function and have our identity. Next slide. God is not a piece of the pie. God is the pie. God's the whole thing. We're not trying to work out how to do God in the midst of our family, in the midst of our work. We're trying to work out how to do work with God, how to do family with God, how to do education with God, how to include God in all that we do. He is everything. It's through him that we live. It's through him that we function. It's through him that we have our identity. That's the gospel of grace. It's not about what you do. It's about what he has done. That's the worldview I want to live in. I don't want to wake up tomorrow morning and, and, and depending on how long I spend praying and reading my Bible, am I going to feel good about today or not? No, you know what? I've already won because Jesus Christ died for me and he rose again. And my father in heaven declares that he loves me no matter what. I've already won the day. And what I'm trying to do with this worldview that God's not a piece of the puzzle or the pie, he is the pie, is how do I honour him in my family? When I go to work, how do I honour him in my workplace? How do I reflect more of who he is? If my identity is through him, how do I reflect that identity of God living inside me? And that's the challenge that we face as Christians. This is the, the spiritual maturing journey. How do we reflect the identity of God more and more? So if you're sitting here this morning and you're feeling guilty about the lack of reading your Bible, lack of praying, lack of attending, lack of giving, lack of faith, too much sin, whatever it is that you might be sitting here feeling guilty about this morning, be free. God loves you as you are. Does he want more from you? Yeah. Does he want you to step up? Yeah. But that's the beauty of a father who loves us and calls us to that relationship rather than a father who stands there with a stick waiting for us to screw up so he can bash us. That's the view we take, whether we intend it or not, when we go to a God of works. I've got to earn my salvation. It's the God of the big stick. We do not serve that God. God took that big stick and he put his son on it so that we wouldn't have to experience it. That's the first foundation I want to lay for us this morning. Here's perhaps a key. We cannot work our way to God's love. It is a grace-filled gift, but there are responsibilities and expectations as part of his family. We can't work it. We can't earn it. We don't really even deserve it. That's the power of grace. Are you with me? It's quiet in here this morning. There's a few people away, so we're going to have to lift our game the rest of you. It's okay. 
to show some enthusiasm. I've learnt I preach Brett better when you're into it. If you just sit there like that, I'm going to preach boring. <laughs> just to spite you. <laughs> we, we all respond differently, and I'm not, I'm not after a, a black American church where you're held. Well, that would be cool. We could do that. <laughs> hmm. Quiet in the second row. <laughs> second foundation is one I speak on a lot. And if you haven't got this yet, if you've been with us for more than five minutes and you haven't picked this one up, you've got a problem. The second one, Keith, love God, love people. For goodness sake, it's framed right there on stage. This is what I described for us as a church as the only two things I really want you to know and learn and remember. Love God, love people, Love God, love people. Luke chapter 10 and verse 25 to verse 28 says this. Just then, a religious scholar stood before Jesus Jesus, in order to test his doctrines. He posed this question. Teacher, what requirement must I fulfill if I want to live forever in heaven? Jesus, what do I got to do? What, what do I got to do to get to heaven? Jesus, what is it that I could get away with? What's the minimum standard here that you will find acceptable as saviour of the universe for me to make it? What's, what do I got to do? Jesus is a genius at communicating. He's a genius at getting to the core of things. And he does something that I am endeavouring to do myself more often. Rather than give an answer, ask a question. And Jesus says, well, what does Moses teach us? What do you read in the law? So this guy's a religious expert. He's been to Bible college for all his life. He's got more degrees than anyone else. And Jesus is saying to him, well, what what does the Bible say? And he goes this. It states that you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your passion, all your energy, and every thought. And you must love your neighbour as well as you love yourself. Jesus said, that's correct. Go and do that and you'll live. Love God, love people. If if we get those two things right, everything else gets sorted out. I'm yet to think of something that we could be doing that falls outside of that that's a requirement for us to kind of do what we do. If there was stuff when they went through that list that would have been there. Jesus said, all we got to do is love God, love people. So we make it real simple in our church. Because some of us, like your pastor, are pretty simple people. I can remember two things. I reckon I can get about living two things. If I can get my head around, what does it mean for me to love God more? And as a result of that, how do I go about loving people more? Man, I reckon... If 50% of the Christians on this planet got that right, this world would be radically different. Problem is 50% of the people in this room struggle to get that. I'm not having a go at you, by the way. This is not a criticism. It's a real struggle. It's probably the ultimate struggle that we face. How do we love God better? Like, You'd think Christians would have that sorted, right? How, 
how do we love people? I mean, have you met people? <laughs> I, I know people. I live with people, and they're awesome. I, I, I come to church with some people. I'm looking at some people now. People are hard work. People are messy. People are broken. People are hurting and dysfunctional, and that mess is so rich and so wonderful and so hard and so taxing. Because I'm supposed to take my mess and brokenness and dysfunction and work out how to love Jimmy with his. And that is not easy. (laughs) I mean, have you met the guy? Hate to employ him just to have more time to try and sort him out. Because if I was perfect and sorted, gee, it would be so much easier. But I'm not. And isn't that part of the problem? We all bring our junk to relationships. And our filters, someone says something and we hear something they didn't say, not because they intended it, but because of what's going on inside us. Someone walks in and they look a little bit different to us. We don't like that. I think it's the one thing as followers of Jesus Christ that we would have absolutely dialed in. And it's an indictment on the church that we don't. But you know what? We're going to get better. And we're going to keep working at it. And we're going to keep loving God better because in light of that, we can learn how to love others better. And as we discover more who he is, and I'll talk about this in the next bit, as we go through a journey, we become more like Jesus Christ. We become more like this God that we're supposed to reflect our identity through. And in turn, we can love people better. I think I had some other verses for love God, love people. Let me read them to you. Romans 12, 9. Let the inner, I'm reading from most of my verses today from the, the Passion Translation. Let the inner movement of your heart always be to love one another and never play the role of an actor wearing a mask. Despise evil and embrace everything that is good and virtuous. Oh, I love that verse in that translation. 1 John 4.19, we love because he first loved us. John 15.12, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Finally today, my third point, third foundation. So we've got what? We've got the pie chart, right? We all like pie. Just remember pie. Remember that God is the pie. Eat your pie. And then we've got love God, love people. So we're eating pie that's all God. We're loving God and we're loving people. And then there's one other thing that I talk about all the time. Does anyone want to have a guess at what it is? Food. (laughs) You're not wrong. Coffee? You're not wrong. Gee whiz, you guys, briskets, you guys have got me dialed in, haven't you? How about along a spiritual theme? Coffee is spiritual, I'll give you that. Barbecuing spiritual. 
how about something to do with the cross? That's why you're a pastor. <laughs> Anyone heard me use that language before? The transaction and the transformation, the two bars of the cross. Hand up if you've, if you've you recognised that at all. I need to mention that. If you're okay, I need to mention this more often. Two parts of the cross, the transaction and the transformation, the work of the cross and the way of the cross. Colossians 1 chapter 13 says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. That's the work of the cross. There's a transaction that takes place. He has brought us from one kingdom into another kingdom. He takes our crap and our junk and he gives us his blessing and his righteousness and let me read you another verse from 2 Corinthians chapter 5 now if anyone is enfolded into Christ he has become an entirely new person all that is related to the old order has vanished behold everything is fresh and new and God has made all things new and reconciled us to himself and given us the ministry of reconciling others to God in other words it was through the anointed one that God was shepherding the world not even keeping records of their transgressions and he's entrusted to us the ministry of opening the door of reconciliation to God for God made the only one who did not no sin to become sin for us so that we who did not know righteousness might become the righteousness of God through our union with him the work of the cross this is what Jesus did on the cross and what takes place after the cross is transformation the way of the cross When Jesus died and rose again, he made a promise to the disciples before he went. What was the promise? He's going to leave something with us afterwards. What was that? The Holy Spirit. I thought you were going to say coffee and brisket. (laughs) He left us the Holy Spirit to be our helper. The Holy Spirit to be our peace and our comforter. Shalom. The the Holy Spirit to, to do the inner working of God in our life. The power of God here on earth, active today. The Holy Spirit. Jesus didn't go, you know what? It's done. Stamp your passport. You're on your way. Everything is done. Except he did do that. He said everything is done. But then he said, but wait, there's more. You can get yourselves a set of steak knives. Oh no, sorry, that was a different thing. I give you the Holy Spirit. Because I love you. And I want to prepare you for the kingdom that is coming. I want to do something in your life. I want to bring change and transformation because I want you to reflect my Father. So one of the things we do as preachers is we talk about Jesus a lot. The reason we talk about Jesus a lot is because he's relatable. He was a person. I know we should. He's a person. We we can get our head around Jesus. It's it's a lot harder to get our head around God. See, the interesting thing is Jesus, when he was here, he kept pointing to God. He's like, it's not me. My father. I just do what I see my father do. And, And we find it hard to to communicate a lot of truths about God because it doesn't always land real well. So we point to Jesus, knowing that Jesus is pointing to his Father. 
knowing that the Father has given us the Holy Spirit to do a work of change and transformation in our lives. Can you handle a few more verses this morning? You're going to get them. We can all draw close to him. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We can all draw close to him with the veil removed from our faces. And with no veil, we all become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. We are being transfigured into his very image as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. And this glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Have you ever met someone who was totally messed up and then they found Jesus and they're a completely different person? There's quite a few of them in this room. Most of us probably. But when you, when you see that, and I met some of you guys a few years ago. <laughs> just saying. Alex. <laughs> I am going to pick on you for a minute because I can and I know I can get away with it. He's got banana socks on. You still need to get saved. (laughs) When God does a work in someone's life of change and transformation and we have an opportunity to see that visibly take place, this is what I'm talking about. And you guys. I'm just picking on him because he was worse than you. (laughs) When... We look like something in our brokenness, in our mess, in our dysfunction. And we discover Jesus and we get transformed, transfigured into his image. What a beautiful trophy of grace that is. I love that we get to see that in lives as we journey with people. Romans 12, 2, stop imitating the ideals and the opinions of the culture around you but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, staying perfect in his eyes. Last verse, Galatians 5, to 24. But the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its varied expressions. Joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart and strength of spirit. Never set the law above these qualities for they are meant to be limitless. Keep in mind that we who belong to Jesus, the anointed one, have already experienced crucifixion. For everything connected with our old self-life is put to death on the cross and crucified with the Messiah. So may we never be arrogant or look down on each other. For each of us is an original. We must forsake all jealousy that diminishes the value of others. As I was praying about this year, as I was working to this point, I kept coming back to certain things. I kept coming back to fruit. I kept coming back to the idea of discipleship. And the word that I I landed on that I want to focus on all these foundations that I've laid today is this last bit, transformation. That's what I want us to focus on as this year goes, becoming a different kind of person, reflecting the identity and the image of God. Transformation is the inner work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It can be slow and it can be tough, but when it does its work, it changes us from the inside out. Let me illustrate this for you this morning. Keith, can I put up the cow, please? (laughs) 
Some of you know me really well. (laughs) This is a cow. On a lovely animal like this, there are nine prime cuts. Some of them are lovely eating cuts of meat. Most of us, if we're going to cook a steak, we'd like a sirloin or a tenderloin or something up there. We might want some ribs if we're going to slow cook things. If you've got a nice slow cooker at home, you, you might throw a lamb sh- a sh- a shank in there. A beef shank's a bit bigger than a lamb shank, but lamb shanks go okay too. The bit that I want to focus on this morning is the bit called the brisket. Now, I don't know if you're aware of the anatomy of a, of a cow, but cows don't have collarbones. The, the, the chest part of a cow holds 60% of the weight of the cow, and there are no bones in there. It's all muscle and fat. That is the part called the brisket. It's the part that holds that, the whole of the cow's anatomy together and enables it to do what it does. It's the muscle in the cow that works the hardest. And as a result of that, it is tough. It's really sinewy and it's full of fat and that muscle is incredibly tough. But when? When someone who knows what they're doing goes to the butcher and says, let me buy the cheapest piece of meat you have and walks out with a brisket and takes it home and looks at that thing and starts speaking to it. (laughs) You get your secret herbs and spices together, in my case, paprika, salt, pepper, garlic powder, and you combine those things together and you coat this brisket in those things and put it in the fridge and you leave it for at least 12 hours. Then you get up the next morning and ridiculously early o'clock, <laughs> normally for me, five o'clock, I think God's still asleep at that time of day, and you light your charcoal and you sit there with a big grin on your face and you take your meat and you put your meat into your barbecue And then for the next eight hours, you lovingly tend to your fire, spritzing it every hour with, in my case, a mix of apple cider vinegar and water, smoked in iron bark or hickory or red gum. And as this thing slowly cooks, I aim for around about 130 degrees Celsius, maybe a little less at the cook temperature cook site and I let it go and this brisket slowly cooks and it'll hit sorry it's easier to cook in Fahrenheit than Celsius so uh, it'll hit about 164 degrees Fahrenheit taste, food tastes better in Fahrenheit 164 <laughs> degrees and then it stalls for a little while and it, it sits there in that moment and, and it's called the stall and it, the stall can go f- depending on the cut of meat you've got because every cut of meat's different identical weight Similar herd can be completely different. And it could go there for an hour, it could be five minutes, it could go for hours. And, and often when it hits that stall, I'll wrap it in foil and put it there on the barbecue and go away for another couple of hours. And, and it pushes through that stall and eventually the temperature will rise to, I'm looking for about 207 degrees Fahrenheit when I put my probe in it. And when I put my probe in my brisket and it just goes straight through the brisket, I know that I have this meat that's now wobbling like jelly. And and you can take this horrible piece of meat 
that is so inedible if it's not given love and attention. And you can turn it into something incredibly special. You see, I think it's kind of like the work of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit begins to work on us, this thing that was horrible and hard work, this thing that was so tough and unpalatable, this thing that, unless it was given love and care and attention, this thing that, without the right kind of treatment, you sure you want to be in the front row? This piece of meat. You know what I forgot to get? Chopping board. This is called a brisket knife. It's a very special knife designed entirely for cutting briskets. And we begin to take this meat... Can anyone smell that? Yes! <laughs> and we take this meat that was inedible and it just begins to fall apart. That was, oh my gosh. Thanks for coming to church today. You guys have no idea what you're missing. <laughs> Transformation. The good news is I bought enough for everybody. Change. It's a slow process. It's a process that literally is falling apart. It's a process that takes time and care and love. This is so hard without a chopping board. You bear with me for a few minutes. Who's getting hungry? Who's desperate to taste some brisket? Boys, can you start passing that around? You can taste the piece. Told you it was worth coming to church today. Told you I was going to illustrate something. I do have to apologise. I cooked this yesterday, and normally it would be done 
fresh on the spot for the day. I'd have stayed up all night, but I didn't love you that much and figured that if I was going to preach today, I needed some sleep. The boys in the front row that cook brisket all the time. So if you'd like to taste that this morning. So here's the thought. Worship team, when you finish stuffing your faces. Why did I do that this morning? I love barbecuing. I love sharing my passions with other people. But I want you to remember that flavour. I'm going to be as corny as it gets right now. I smoke now so that I don't have to be smoked later. We barbecue today so we don't barbecue for eternity. (laughs) I want you to remember that taste. Who's never had brisket before? Who's this is the first time you've ever eaten brisket? Okay, about a third of the room. Who's had brisket before but not as good as this brisket? Okay, a few of you. No, no, brisket's right up the front. Beside it, that's the plate. And then the flank, you can't quite see the others. There's a chuck above it, the rib in the middle. They're American things. Couldn't find an Australian one in a hurry. wouldn't be as good as mine. Listen, here's what I want you to remember as you savour the flavours. It's coated with paprika, salt, pepper, garlic powder. It hasn't been infused with anything. Often I would inject it with some beef stock or something like that to give it a bit of flavour. It's been spritzed with apple cider vinegar on the top every hour so that the crust forms a bit better. It's beautiful. I will invite you all to come. I'm doing a fundraiser for Cancer Council. You can all come. Listen, part of the brisket you've eaten is the point, the most fatty part of the whole thing. And as it goes through this cooking process, the fat renders. And that which was inedible becomes so good. That which was so tough becomes so tender. That is the work of the Holy Spirit internal in our lives, the work of transformation. Those tough parts of you, those unpalatable parts of you, those parts of you that it's just so hard to be around sometimes, the work of the Holy Spirit brings change and transformation to every area of your life. My theme for this year is along the title, I've called it Grow Up. It's a double entendre, because some of us need to actually grow up, but we also need to grow up. We need to grow towards God. We need to grow towards his image and his likeness as we live this journey of change and transformation. God, I thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit.
I thank you for change and transformation in our lives. I thank you that we're not the same as we were when we first encountered you. But God, you have us on this journey of spiritual growth and maturity. God, may we be people who embrace change. And as we go through this year of transformation, as we create moments for you to do something in our lives, give us the courage to step into those spaces. Help us to embrace that change. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Penrith Church of Christ. If there was anything in this message that you would like to talk further about, please go to our website on www.cofcpenrith.org. www.cofcpenrith.org.